You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Elisa. How are you this week? Well, we made it through another week of distance learning. We survived. We haven't figured out yet what we're doing around here. As far as New York State is concerned, the governor said that all the different school districts have to send their uh, plan to the Mm. Department of Health, and the Department of Health has to approve it, so things are still up in the air. I'm just so grateful that my kids are all grown. I don't have Hmm. to worry about it. Well, you can always tell them to just take a look at what Arizona's doing, because we've already started. We're We're back for a whole week now. In fact, my husband started the week before. So, yeah, I know I was talk, when I was talking to my son, who's the teacher in Virginia, they were supposed to go back tomorrow, but because there's been so many snafus along the way, mostly mm-hmm. due to the fact that the kids where he teaches, because he's in a rural area, don't have internet. And it's not because they can't afford it, it's because they don't have it's internet out in that area. The cable companies won't go out there. So mm-hmm. they're ordering all those hotspots. So that's going to take some time. And they keep changing their mind about how they're going to do this and what platform they're going to use. So it's been a really a, a struggle. And my son is yep. like, he's about had it because they finally <laughs> get used to something. Okay, we're going to yep. do it this way. And then it's like, guess what? Now you're not doing it this way. You're doing it that way. So now mm-hmm. the kids aren't going back online until August 31st, two weeks from tomorrow. Mm. Well, it so, sounds like you've got a little bit of time to think about things. We're actually going to cover a little bit more of that a little bit later in the podcast when we do our little check-in on distance learning. Um, but you want to do some little bit of housekeeping before we really get yeah. into it? Yeah, let's do that. So the first thing I want to mention is that uh, right here in Arizona, we're, we're having some storms. It's it's kind of being a bit of a tease right now. It's just a bunch of wind, but every once in a while, the emergency alerts go off. So Apologies ahead of time if they go off and crash the podcast, <laughs> but we'll see. It's just very windy, and you might hear a little bit of banging going on. So it's not the kids at the door this time. It's my carport getting ready yeah. to fall over. And on my end, I'm just experimenting with mic settings and a different mic setup, and I'm just headphones set up the whole nine yards. So if it sounds a little bit different and it's not good different, I apologize. I'm... I'm kind of like Guy Searle from the My Mac podcast, where we're always <laughs> it's all his changing. Fault. It's all his yeah, fault. it's all it's all Guy. If you're listening, this is all your fault. I'm just experimenting. We're trying to get the right sound, the right volumes, and it's just a work in progress. So please bear with us. We're we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> and uh, speaking of people who it's all their fault, and uh, we've podcasted with in the past. Uh, you might notice that there are some changes, and we wanted you to know that the, the show is continuing on, but we also wanted to take this opportunity and to say thank thank you to Mike McPeak for all the years that he's co-hosted the show, and we've had a lot of fun and discussion over the years. Hmm. So thanks for the memories, Mike. We appreciate it. And we also wanted to mention one last thing before we get into it, that we have a new email address, so you can send us show feedback. And the address is podcast at geekyshowever.com. It will also be in the show notes. So please, we'd love you to use that. You can send us questions, comments, interview ideas, um, just any kind of feedback you want to give us. Podcast at geekyshowever.com. I'm going to say it again, just just in case it glitches or anything. It's podcast at geekyshowever.com. There's no the or anything in there. It's just geekyshowever.com. 
You did say podcast at geekyashowever.com, right? <laughs> I did say podcast at geekyashowever.com. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I heard you because, you know, new setup and everything. Yeah. So, okay. Why don't we check in on distance learning? You said you had some yes. um, observations. Yes. I, I like to call these things field observations, even though I'm not actually outside of my house. But hey, I, a girl can dream, right? <laughs> so uh, in my own little blanket fort scenario here. Oh, my gosh. There goes my... Sorry. Uh, Inside the house here, I have set up what I call blanket forts. Um, The first tip that I have for what we've been doing with our distance learning is to create a workstation. I I really can't stress how crucial that is. Um, I have been observing my kids' Zoom calls, you know, whatever you want to call them, as all parents are. We're all kind of in there, you know, trying to watch, you know, be there for basically like tech support a lot of parents are being thrown into this new role. For me, it's kind of exciting and kind of sort of fun, if I dare say, because that's kind of what I used to do. I used to be I, I used to be a site technician, and this was this is my jam, you know. So I've been excited about doing the technological kind of stuff, the behavior stuff, and the meltdowns not so much. <laughs> but uh, it's it's like you said, it's a work in progress. We're all learning this as we go. Everybody is kind of being thrust into this. So I thought that I would give you some field observations and some tips of what I've learned just from having to do it for the last week. Like the, we, like I said, we just survived our very first week, full week of full-time school, Monday through Friday, and this is what I've learned. So like I said, setting up a workstation is crucial. You really want to try to minimize the distractions. And one of the observations that I've seen is when I... When I'm sitting there watching my kids in their Zoom calls, you know, you can see you can see the kids and other parents can, you know, we're not like spying on the other kids, but we're, we're there observing. And I do notice that it seems about and this is just from my perspective, it's probably different everywhere, um, might be better, might be worse. It seems to be that some of the kids are like in the kitchen, other kids are in their bedroom, you know, kids are in different like places within the house. And some of the kids are kind of, you know, sitting there with their their Chromebook on their laps and their their squirrels, you know, they're they're moving around. I have a fifth grader, so they're still quite um, they're still quite squirrely. <laughs> they're still fidgety, and so there's a lot of that going on. I I would say maybe about half of them have headphones, and the other half don't. So that's become an issue. Um, sound settings, things like that, like just like you were talking about. Believe it or not, like what, what we're going through with trying to make sure that our sound quality is good and our mic settings are good. I actually just had a little bit of a lesson with that with my kiddo today. We were going over it because he just got a brand new headset mic. And there's there's something to look at that I don't think a lot of people realize, but you really need to consider what your microphone settings are because one of the things that he was struggling with was one kiddo had a headset mic, but because it was so close to his mouth and because his microphone was turned up probably way too high and he didn't realize it you could hear him breathing <laughs> you could hear every little little movement and I don't I just think the kiddos like it's not their fault they're just not aware of it so and the teachers aren't necessarily aware of this stuff either this is not stuff that they've had to contend with before so a workstation backdrop even I'm a real big advocate of creating a space in which to work and the way that I've done that so I joke about it being a blanket fort is I've actually hung up PVC pipe we've actually mounted it from the ceiling and 
for one of the kiddos, I actually do have a green screen. I think I talked about this a little bit last week and I Mm -hmm. just kind of wanted to reiterate some of the things that this was what I was going to do. That was the plan. I've now implemented it and it's now in place and it, and it, I think has worked out pretty well. So in our, the kids are sharing a room. Like I said, we have a small house and the way that we have it set up is I, I rigged up PVC pipe. I actually painted it black so that it would look like it was black, like gunmetal or something. Um, I just wanted it to look nice. I didn't want it to look like it was actual plumbing fixtures. <laughs> but this is, you know, it's cheap. You know, this is economical. This is what we're doing. So, and I got some curtain hooks, the kind that it's like a circular ring and it has a little pincher on it. Right. And all I did was I just hung up a, a while ago I got in a green screen because my oldest was really into like video and, and stuff like that. He wants to do YouTubing and things like that. So back then before everything was price gouged, I got one of those. And then for my other kiddo, he has this really cool set of sheets that are like a space galaxy theme. And so we used the top sheet for that because he actually doesn't really use the top sheet much anyway. So that worked out perfectly. It's like just the right amount of width. So my tip going into this is... Have your child sit down at the computer and, you know, try to set up the workspace. Try to pick a place if you can, uh, you know, away from distractions. You know, maybe for you it might work to have them in the kitchen because you do want to see what's going on. And there's probably like way better light in the kitchen. So that probably is a good a good place to be. But I would avoid setting them up in front of, say, like your your family schedule where, you know, you can see like everything that's going on in your life or, you know, just just keep privacy in mind is, is the point that I'm trying to get at. Yeah, think and, about the background. Mm-hmm, think about what's in the background. You know, of course, you're not going to want to take your laptop into the bathroom. You don't want to be doing your, I mean, a lot of people do do recordings from their bathroom because it's sound, it's more soundproof, or maybe they like the echo that comes from the shower or something, but you don't want to see the toilet in the shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be mindful of what's in your background and the distractions that are around you. And for kiddos, it's especially important because although you want to be there to supervise them and make sure that they're understanding and, and making their way through this, you also don't want all the distractions getting in the way of their learning and their focus and their concentration. And you want to create that element of privacy too. So for us, that was our solution to that, to that issue was to hang sheets or backgrounds or something. We also didn't want it to look like it was, you know, some kind of like murder kill scene from a movie or anything or some abduction or anything. We wanted it to look cool, you know, so that's why we picked the, the galaxy background and he's actually got gotten some compliments on it. So I thought that was pretty cool. So setting up a workstation, hanging some kind of a backdrop, minding the privacy, minding the distractions. And then, like I mentioned before, headphones, like I said about, you know, half the kids seem like they didn't have headphones. And here's the issue with little kids, because I've tried this many times, and their ear holes are too small for the earbuds. So, and, you know, it's funny because, like, as we have gotten geeky and techie, we've moved away from the traditional kinds of computer equipment like headphones that go over your ears in favor of the little earbuds or the wireless Bluetooth headpieces and things like that or wireless keyboards, wireless mouse, wireless everything. And what I've been running into is like, oh, the battery's getting low because they're using it more, you know, than they ever have before. So we've switched to plug-in, like up an actual wired headset that goes over the ears so that we don't have to worry about the, the earbud problem because they fall out or not enough cord and that sort of thing. Because sometimes the kids have to get up away from their computer and move around. So we got one with a nice long cord. Um, The other thing about headphones is, you know, a lot of them have noise cancel, noise cancellation. And that's really important, especially in our scenario, because we have the two kids 
in the same room sharing that space that's divided only by sheets, basically, so they can hear each other. And sometimes they might get really excited about a, you know, a topic and want to talk really loud. And so we just tried it. We got this new headset and it does, you know, it makes it so that they can only hear, they're focused on what they only hear within the Zoom call on their end. And if the child behind them is talking really loudly because they have that microphone in front of their mouth, then it makes it so that you can't hear the other kid's conversation. So, so headphones, that was really, really crucial to help reduce those distractions. Um, let's see, there are some necessary distractions. So one of the, one of the struggles I think too has been the fact that you can't replicate every little thing from school, obviously, but there are some things you're going to want to try. And one of those things is the bell schedule. Um, so that has been a struggle for my littler one is learning how to manage that time on his own. And that's probably a struggle for a lot of little kids, I would think, because they're so used to having the teacher giving them instructions about this is where you need to be when, and they have a bell that rings at the school. Well, now with this, they're not physically moving to a different location. They're just switching. They're clicking on a different link to go to a different, whether it's Zoom or Hangouts or Meet or whatever video platform that they're using, they're just clicking a different link. So it's a virtual passing period, if you will. So that was one of the things that we're still working on and some things that I'm thinking about trying. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to try that I ended up deciding, nope, it, that can't work, is in the calendars app. Now, this is you know talking from an iOS and Apple standpoint, but I'm sure that other devices and other platforms have a calendars app and you can set up an alert or a reminder of some sort, right? Well, we have a shared calendar. And at first I was thinking about, well, I'll just set like a five minute alert to go off before the next period changes. And then I decided against that because that would make all of our phones and all of our computers go beeping, right? So, okay, scratch that idea. So then the next thing that we're trying is, I tried the Microsoft To Do app. Remember we talked about different kinds of reminders. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. You like you like the app that's called Do, Correct. right? I wonder, do you think that that would be a good tool to try for replicating a bell schedule? I th think they have that. I never use it for that. Let me look. They have timers. Mm -hmm. so you can And can do... you customize the sounds? Because that's what I'm looking for is something that wouldn't be too invasive for the other family members, but something that would just be personalized for well, let's that one happens. family member. Let's see what happens here. Let me see if I put this next to the. Does it have its own built-in sounds or are they sounds that you can customize? I wonder. I'm not hearing anything. I've never used it, so mm -hmm. I can't speak to mm -hmm. it. it. Sorry doesn't... to put you on the spot for that, but I thought about yeah. that because I know that you like that app. Yeah, I use it for reminders. I don't use it for alerts of any kind. Mm -hmm. oh, it sounds okay. like there are. Oh, yes, there are. I don't know if you can see this. Let me. I know listeners can't. But mm -hmm. here's some, well, these are reminder alerts. I don't know if you can mm -hmm. see that. So there's different sounds Is that sounds the sound bank? And there's different, yeah, here's, so here's the sounds for mm -hmm. alerts. Mm -hmm. There's a pretty good list there. It'd be nice if you can add some, some custom sounds. I, can, I don't know if you, can you hear that? Yeah, I heard, yeah, sound a little bit like a kitchen timer or something. That might uh, be cool. Maybe I'll increase the volume. Um. Just playing? some kind of audible sound that will help them know that, oh, it's time to go to class. Yeah, so there's a. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something a little bit longer would be good. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's like that could be a pretty viable option. I'll have to yeah, so look there's into some that. sounds that we can look into. Yeah, I re- I love this app. Like I said, I don't use it for timers. I mm-hmm. just use it for reminders. But at least it's there if you mm-hmm. want it. And they have some well, ones and that timers are, that and are, reminders is kind of what I was talking about. Like I wanted to set a recurring. So this is the thing. So it has to be something that you can set with a custom recurring repeat schedule. Because, mm-hmm. for example, at our school, they're Monday through. Monday through Thursday schedule is the same, except for their specials at the end, which are asynchronous. But on Friday, they have a a totally different schedule. They have a half day schedule. So it has to be something that I can change. Oh, and then some of the classes change. So for example, I could just call it period one, period two, period three, and so on and so forth. Or I would like to say maybe for especially for a littler kid, instead of just saying period one, period two, I would like it to say, you know, ELA or social studies or math, you know, have the actual subject. But see, then again, it has to be able to be custom repeats because you want to be able to change the name of the class too, because some classes are on Tuesday, Thursday, and other classes are on Monday, Wednesday, that sort of thing. So well, what about the, the reminders time- app right on the iPhone? Well, that's that's the next thing that we're going to try to employ. And I'll tell you why I ended up wanting to try that over the to-do. So I did try Microsoft to-do. And the only reason that one wouldn't work, I really do like that Microsoft to-do app. But the sound, you can't, at least not to my knowledge, I haven't dug too much deeper into it. But I don't think you can customize the sound A. And the sound that is there by default is just too short. And it's it's something where you know, it would go off and it would, be, it would get lost. So I need something that's relatively loud, that's relatively disruptive. Like I was just talking about distractions. This is one of those things that you do want as a distraction because you want to try to teach the kids time management. So the to-do didn't make the cut. Reminders I was going to try because then you can customize the sound and I could pick a longer alert tone because right. I can actually pick the ringtones instead of just But both your kids have an, Apple, have an Apple watch, mm-hmm. don't they? Because that's the good thing no. about it. They don't. Yeah, I know that would be because awesome. Only one, only the older one has one. Okay, because and it's do, like really old. Yeah, because yeah. I have it on my watch, so I get oh, that vibration on my hand when a reminder is, you know, when I have a reminder due. Yeah, I would love to get a smart and watch. It's recurring, and that's the good thing too. So mm-hmm. that if he's if something is supposed to happen at eleven o'clock, and I don't say market is done or push it off for an hour, five minutes later it says hello. Oh yeah. And then five minutes later, that's uh, excuse I me, I need an ad. Excuse me. Yep. And that's why I like it because that way I can go, oh, that's right. That's right. I've got to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely rely heavily on my Apple Watch for those kinds of things, exactly how you described it. And I and I do, especially for my medications, because I'm like, not right now. I'm in the middle of something. And I have. To, I don't want to have to like get up and go get the, the pill or whatever. So I like having the ability to snooze that reminder and then have it nag me until I take care of it. But for the little kids that I'm talking about, I mean, they're just, they're not going to be able to afford an Apple Watch. You know what I mean? So yeah, that would be a solution for for techie people who do have that. And my older kid has an old, old hand-me-down, like a cracked series one. So he does actually use that. That's why it hasn't been as much of an issue for the older one because he has gotten a lot better at his time management. But for my fifth grader, he has like a, a, like a knockoff Fitbit type of watch. So that has been important, and I will, I will add that to the list, actually, is a watch of some sort. I'm not saying it has to be an Apple watch, but he has, like like I said, a knockoff Fitbit type of tracker. But the most important thing is the, it tells him the time, it tells him the day of the, the week, it tells him the date, 
those kinds of things. But like it doesn't have a timer. It doesn't have any other features on it that allow him to use it as a time management device because it's really more of a fitness tracker. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about getting your child some kind of a timekeeping device. It really should be more of like a watch. I mean, even if it was like an old Casio or shark or something like that, God, I love that thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that has like a timer that you could set on it, then the kid could actually set it themselves and say, okay, I now know I have, you know, a recess for 15 minutes. And so they can set it on their watch and then go get a snack or whatever, or for lunch, you know, same thing. So I think that some kind of time tracker device or app is going to be crucial. And like I said, we're going to dive a little bit more deeper. I'll report Next time when we talk about when we do a check-in, I'll tell you like what we have found to work because that's going to be one of my next big focuses is trying to find a good solution for replicating the bell schedule so that I can teach my kid about time management and, you know, when he gets away from the computer and goes and does something else, else when does he have to report back to the classroom virtually? Because the teachers are required to take attendance. The kids, you know, must check in. They have to turn on their cameras. Um, there are, you know, some flexibility for, you know, say if a kid has a broken webcam or, you know, some other kind of issue where they they can't be on on the webcam, but they have to check in somehow. And the teachers are always looking for ways to engage with the students to try to say, you know, okay, tell me if you're paying attention, that sort of thing. And so on our end of things, on the on the parental responsibility end, it's our job to teach the kids how to manage their time and when they need to get back to it or or switch or transition into a different period. So, so that's going to be a thing that we're going to be working on this week. Um, cause we kind of got caught, not caught off guard by it. I mean, I knew it was going to be a thing, but I wasn't sure how the teachers were going to do it. And the teachers are also adjusting to it too. So they're not, the schedule hasn't been like super tight this week. Cause this is, this whole week was like a, you know, get to know you right. kind of feeling it out type of thing. So just, we've been kind of managing our expectations there. Well, one of the things before you go to your next bullet point, one of the things that you had mentioned was the bedroom, like don't be laying on your bed with your computer. My son made a video. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. He made a video for all his students to show them proper etiquette when you are distance learning. (laughs) And he gave examples. He said, now you don't have your computer on your lap while you're laying on the couch and you don't bring it into the bathroom and you don't lay in bed. You are to be at your dining room table, your kitchen table, your desk in your bedroom. Like don't lay on your bed, but sit up straight, focus on the camera, pay attention to the teacher, you know, have the proper etiquette as far as like you don't scream out answers like you wouldn't scream out an answer when you're uh, in, in person. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a quick video. I forget how long, like four minutes or something like that. It wasn't yeah, too. Yeah, it, was it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that long. But he made a video to send to the kids, and he got in touch with them, and he gave them the link, and he said, "Watch this video. This is how you are supposed to behave, and how you're not supposed to behave." So, in fact, if you we watched that, it too. If you hear that noise, we I watched it, that and, I, and I even. Yeah, there's. Yeah, the, I don't know if you heard the noise. That was that was him texting me. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> he has his own text. Uh, his Hi, own, Mr. P. Uh, text tone. So yeah, and he's going to come on the show in a few weeks to talk about what Melissa's talking about, but mm-hmm. from a teacher's perspective. Teacher. Yeah. You know how cool. online learning has been going. What he had to do as a teacher to prepare to get his kids ready, and it has not been pretty because he calls me in like, addition every day. to pulling his hair out. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have much mm-hmm. hair to start, and he's been like calling me. Goes okay. 
I'm calling you to vent. I'm like, okay, lay it on me. I'm I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, teachers and need that. They need to be able to vent somewhere. He's been going through a lot, and mm. he's doing a mm. lot of you know, like all teachers, going over and above to get the kids mm-hmm. ready, to get himself ready, to get the classroom ready. You know, he has the option of working from home, but he decided he wants to go to the school because it looks more professional. As a teacher, you know, he's not going to get all dressed up like he used to, but I mean, he's not going to bum it either. Yeah, but, but plus, like, you know, they're giving him bandwidth at the school, like, whereas, like, we've opted to stay here at home because my husband could do that. He could go to his classroom, but we just don't want to because, you know, they've got a mold issue and the, the yeah. air conditioning. And we talked about that before. The air conditioning isn't isn't optimal. So we're just doing it from home. But, you know, then all the expense gets loaded onto us because, you know, Yes, we have an internet plan. We're we're very fortunate. We we you know we live in a low income area. We're a low income family because you know we're teacher family. But we have been able to afford that. So so we're very grateful that we can do that. But like that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're we're at that edge where it's like too many more of these expenses, and it's really gonna it's really gonna pinch. You know. So for example, like we have a data cap. We have good bandwidth. We have like. Like I told you before, I set up a mesh network. You know, this is modern day homemaking. This is not your mother's homemaking <laughs> that that we're that, that we are doing nowadays. Um, but I did set that up ahead of time, and I was really glad that I that I took the time to do that. There's still some things that I'd like to hardwire. I still have to do that, but it's been knock on wood. It's it's been working as far as bandwidth goes. But that's been three of them. Now, like tomorrow, we'll see what happens because tomorrow I have a remote client, and I'm really nervous about what's going to happen. This will be my first time since this started actually working from home while the kids are distance learning. Because in the past, it's always been like, you know, I just kind of run around and, you know, fill in the blanks. Now all four of us are going to be busy doing something and it's all going to require bandwidth. And we're all going to be doing something that's going to be pretty bandwidth intensive, like video, because I'm going to be doing remote uh, screen sharing. And that's, you know, we're not looking at each other on the, on the video screen necessarily, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be remotely teaching you know, while moving, you know, a mouse around and, and giving demonstrations and stuff like that. So it's going to be pretty intense. And I'm and I already told my client, I was like, you know, you need to know that this is going on in my home. And, you know, if we get cut off, I'll call you back. That's the other thing that I wanted to bring up that I didn't put on the list is um coming up with some kind of a protocol. That's been one of the frustrations. And again, I'm not blaming teachers or anything. It's just a frustration that everybody's experiencing all around. But it's about setting up a protocol, a, a set of rules or like expectations as to, okay, what happens when the teacher gets, you know, loses internet connection? Because that actually did happen. We, we knew it would, you know, it's just a matter of, of when. But then that was where there was some little bit of meltdowns on both our ends because uh, <laughs> if, you, if you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> if you give a child a, you know, free uh, class period, what are they going to do? Minecraft! So yeah, my my son, you know, realized that the teacher lost the call and all the kids were were chatting with each other. So here's an interesting thing that happened. Um, so our, the platform that we're using is Zoom. Now, I don't know how this works in other platforms because I have not experienced this yet, but it would be interesting to compare and you can let you can let your son know about this. I think you said they're using Google. Are they using Meet or Hangouts? Well, they were originally. He might not know. They were originally supposed to use Canvas. Canvas, okay. And Mm -hmm. then, then they ran into issues with that. So I think they're going back Mm -hmm. to Google Meet. Okay, so this would be something to look for. I don't think it happens. I haven't heard it yet, but that doesn't say that it wouldn't. Excuse me. So what happened in the Zoom call is, and this kind of makes sense. So let's say you and I are on a Skype call, and one of us hangs up, or let's say there was a couple of us on a Skype call. 
the call doesn't just end because the host left the conversation. The call still continues, right? Because that's how it works. At least at least it has in Skype all this time. When one right. person leaves, the call still continues. Right. Whether that person is the host or not, the next person in line, like it doesn't really say, but in Zoom land, it actually does. So what happens when the original host, in this case, the teacher, loses internet connectivity is what happened and loses is not lo- no longer hosting the call by default. And this is what the kids told me by default, the host then goes to the next person in line whose name starts with a, now I don't know if that's true or not. That could have been what they observed, but it could have been that maybe like it goes to the next person who signed in in order. I'm not really sure, but either way, what happens is the host gets changed to, you know, a student. So now the the kids are basically like they're left holding the bag, right? So they're they're sitting there in the Zoom call and the teacher dropped off because their internet, you know, crapped out on them, which again, we expected. But then the kids like didn't know what to do. So they're all messing around and goofing off and changing, you know, ex- which was actually actually a good thing if you think about it. It's it's a bad thing cuz they didn't really know what to do, but they were exploring. So I'll give them credit for that. So then they were exploring with who was going to be the next host and, you know, who could do what what things while they were hosts. So it was like, oh, I get to be the teacher now. So that was interesting. But then, of course, there was like, you know, fights over who's going to do what. And then within minutes, of course, to them, it was like an eternity. But within minutes, then the kids were like, ah, I'm bored with this. I'm going to go play Minecraft or Roblox or whatever. So that's what ended up happening was he was like, all right free for all it's a free period so he went to play and when I went to back and check on him because I'm I'm like hovering but I'm not like I'm not there all the time because that would just that would drive us crazy so I've just been kind of checking in checking in checking in and when uh my older son came to me and said he's supposed to be in class and he's not in class well turns out that the teacher's you know, lost connection. And then she came back. She she did post an update, but see, the kids like didn't know that they were supposed to look there. So they're using uh, Schoology, which is their um, their management system for, for their academics and stuff. And I guess they would have gotten an email too, but like the kids didn't know to check there because there wasn't really like a protocol set or if there was, which it could very well be that the teachers did give instructions. And of course, I didn't hear that part because it wasn't in my ears and my child just forgot about it because that happens all the time. Either way, he didn't, it wasn't clear to him what he was supposed to do. And so he just went playing. And then my older son kind of like tattled on him. And he was like, he's supposed to be in this class. And he went and tried it. So he went, because he's a, a previous student of this teacher. So he was able to get back onto the Zoom call and say, look, she's back on. And so then I had to redirect my child. So, you know, that's par for the course. That's that's what needs to happen. But I just think it's interesting that I don't know how many teachers or how many people using Zoom know that, you know, probably from a professional standpoint, they understand that, you know, when one person is a host, they can change hosts. But from an education setting, there's usually this expectation that there's a lot of uh, control and supervision and, you know, lockdowns and things like that as far as like what kids can and can't do. Well, that's one of those things where when when one when the teacher drops off the call, then all the kids can take turns hosting it. So it's just one of those things where they're going to have to digitally learn how to wrangle the kids back together. And, you know, we made it through. It, it worked out. She, you know, she posted an update. My older son, you know, helped helped out by, you know, realizing that there was a problem Then I redirected and said, okay, how do we solve this problem? Here's look, she sent a message. You have to go back to this class. Now it's back on. So, um, so we got through that. So that was, um, uh, distractions and protocols and things like that. 
replicating the bell schedule, using alerts, um, something that has an audible sound or a vibration. You could even use maybe an, an egg timer if that works for you, you know, a low-tech version. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, like I mentioned, headphones and keyboards and things. The, the necessary tools that the kids, the actual technology and the supplies that they're going to be needing to use in the workstation that you set up for them is really important because, for instance, I found out um, we we have a wonderful community here. So I wanted to give a shout out to T-Mug. That's my Tucson Macintosh users group. And I really encourage you, if you live in an area where you have a users group of any kind, I mean, this just happens to be a Macintosh users group, but any kind of local communities, um, you may want to reach out to them and and ask around because sometimes people have things that they're willing to donate that's just taking up space in their garage. You know, you, you don't get what you don't ask for, you know. And in this case, you know, it was offered to me and I just wanted to say thank you to them because they really stepped up and and helped us out. And, you know, they were like, oh, you know, what do you need and what are your, your school families need? You know, so now I'm looking for things that I can collect, like maybe if we end up having more earbuds than we need or more keyboards than we need, then I can go to the school and say, hey, these are for a donation, and then we can let the families know that they can come, and then it'll be a contactless um, try to kind of exchange. So I would encourage people to check out your local communities, ask around, find out um, maybe even estate sales. I mean, find out what kinds of things people are in no longer in need of, or maybe they have duplicates of. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention is, you know, wired versus wireless. Uh, as we've, you know, gotten really geeky and, and technology has, has uh, moved on, we've gotten away from things that are wired, which is great for us big people and, and things, you know, people that like to be wireless and we don't want to be tethered to things. But a child at a workstation, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to recommend that if people are giving away wired keyboards or wired mice or wired headphones, go for it because then you don't have the, oh my gosh, my battery, I, I need new batteries, you know, crisis. Because a lot of them have replaceable batteries. And I'm now trying to wire everything that I can because I don't want to have to deal with that. That's one less frustration that a child has to experience when they're trying to mouse around and then all of a sudden they can't, they can't contribute. They can't, you know, do what they need to do. So look for, check into your communities, look for things that are wired. You know, it doesn't have to be all the newfangled stuff. Um, something that, that's reliable is, is going to be really, really helpful. Um, I mentioned estate sales. And um, then the last thing that I wanted to mention was the thing, the other thing that we learned about was that, wow, it is a lot of time sitting in a chair in front of a computer for these kids. I mean, it's, it's around six hours or so, you know, that the school day is. Now you have a recess in there and you have a lunch break, but because they're, this is all new and fresh to them, they are equating like, oh, I get to be on the computer for school, but then, oh, I also get to play. And then, at least in, in in my case, my kiddo just, he wants to stay at the computer and he wants to keep on playing video games. And I'm like, uh, we need a break. <laughs> we have got to get up and move around and get outside, you know. So that, that was the last thing I wanted to mention was that we need to get the kids up and away and get them moving and get them some sunshine. As much of a, as a techie as I am, I'm saying get away from the computer when you can because they're really having to be, you know, in front of the screen for a really long time and it can really weigh on them and cause behavior issues. So that's my advice is to get up and move around and, and take some meaningful breaks that are away from the computer. Um, the thing that we're struggling with in regards to that, like I made the new rule in the house that at lunchtime you have to get up and get out of your room <laughs> and, and get away and do something that's not in front of your computer screen. But then the problem is, well, 
like I was talking about how you can't replicate everything from school. Well, how do you replicate or choose not to replicate recess and and lunch breaks? Because that's like a big time when they socialize. And that is one of the the most hurtful things of this whole, you know, non-ideal experience that we're going to have to try to figure out what to do about is the socialization. So they're not getting out and playing at recess time or at lunchtime recess. And so now the other thing that we're going to be focusing on this week is I think what I'm going to do is maybe reach out to some of the parents that I know that my kiddo is friends with and say, hey, can we like agree on something that they can do where they can socialize? Can they talk on the phone? Can they FaceTime? Can they, you know, use Google Duo or, you know, maybe even Zoom, but on a device that's away from their school workstation, you know, so that they can feel like they're actually having a recess, but that it's not necessarily a video game per se but that it's something different. Like I was thinking, we were trying to make lists of, of things that we could do. And Pictionary was one of them, like if they had a whiteboard, um, or even if they just want to take their phone outside and go climb into a tree or like here, that's difficult because it's triple digit heat. It's it's really just too hot to be doing that. Plus your device would probably melt and overheat. But that will be something for the future. We can do outdoor kinds of things. But as far as being stuck inside, you know, this this would be no different if it was in school because we would be spending more time inside for recess because of the heat outside or if it was raining or, or thundering or storming or whatever. But there would be like a big gymnasium and they'd probably play dodgeball or something like that. You know what I mean? So we have to find something to do so that the kids still get that socialization, that they still get that recess, that playtime in. Because I think that playtime and socialization is really, really going to be crucial for their development, and it's going to take a hit during this time. So um, if anybody has any ideas, I'd love to hear them. But the ones that I've come up with so far are things like Pictionary, um, drawing, you know, if they're going to draw on a sketchbook and maybe they could show each other their drawings. Another idea that that my son liked is I said, well, you know, if he has clay and the other person on the you know, FaceTime or, or, or phone has a sketchbook, you could describe it or you could see each other and give each other clues and one kiddo could do the sketching and the other kiddo could do the sculpting. So maybe, you know, this child draws this Pokemon and then you have to take your Play-Doh and actually sculpt it. And then you take turns or something like that. Where it's some kind of a collaborative effort that they're playing and they're they're doing something that resembles socialization and having fun, but where they're actually collaborating on something. But I don't want it to feel like it's just another school project. You know what I mean? I want it to feel like it's some kind of a recess. So that's what I have so far. I'm still working on that list. And again, we'll check back in on that. And that's where I'm at with finding ways to take breaks from the computer. Well, we were at my nephew's house today uh, for a little while. And I was talking to his wife and I said, what are, you, what are the kids doing for gym? And she said, because mm-hmm. they live in a different district than we do. And she said, what they do is the gym teacher has pre-recorded videos. And it might be mm-hmm. little activities because the kids are young. Uh, might be, you know, do some jumping jacks or or run around the room or doing so something like that you could possibly do. Like maybe if you took over recess, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, do 50 jumping jacks. And his friend can do, you know, Keegan's friend can do the jumping mm-hmm. jacks too. Or you know, run around, run around the yard 10 times or just or mm-hmm. something like that, or throw the ball with your mom, just mm-hmm. and then, you know, and they have the phones together or their iPads together, and they can see each other doing the same mm-hmm. thing at the same time. So they're getting some physical activity. They're doing it with their friend. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have a something... pogo stick and a jumping yeah. uh, jumping rope. I just yeah, do a jump rope or mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. sort of physical activity. You know, if you have a basketball hoop, throw some, th- just shoot mm-hmm. some hoops. And that There's even that card made... games too. It's not physical. Yeah, so still... that made me, that's you know, so having that conversation with my niece mm-hmm. made me think of okay, that's something that the kids could do with a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just to get them active too, to burn off yeah, some energy. Yeah. Right, because I mean, it's just I couldn't believe. I mean, I, I could believe it, but I it's just oh. When I really sat to think about it and, and, and observe it, just how much time they're sitting yeah. in the same because spot. Because are your you know? kids having gym class? Because this is what gym class will be for her kids. Yeah. So they're not. Um, it's very much kind of like what you what you described. So they have um, they've broken it into synchronous and asynchronous learning. So the synchronous is going to be like, you know, the, the ELA, the social studies, the math classes, the asynchronous where they're not having to synchronize. I hope I said that right. Um is going to be the specials. They call them specials. So that's, that's going to be she said too. like a science Mu- lab and physical education and music computer and science. Art. Oh, for mm-hmm. her, it's music and art. Yeah. So there, and it's, it's going to differ from each school, which specials they, they have, but that's kind of the gist of it is that that kind of stuff is going to take place asynchronously. And they're doing, like you said, they're pre-recording stuff or they're they're putting up worksheets or they're having them do a project, they still have to turn something in or they still have to do something to show for it. Um, our, it's an LMS, learning management system. I was trying to think of what it was. Our LMS does have a way where, um, say the PE teacher asked them to answer a question about physical education. You can, the kid can like record a video of them or an audio of them doing whatever it was that was requested or answering the question somehow. So then they can see them being active and doing something. So yes, that is definitely in play. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But that's what they did a little bit of um, fourth quarter to last year. They did this asynchronous thing. So I saw how that worked out and it was pretty good because then the, the kids can work at their own pace. Like they're given an opportunity like from this period to this period and it's at the end of the day. Um, if you like, if you've just had it and like, you just really need to just get away and, and you're done for the day, then you can be done for the day. And then you can go back to it later on once you're, you know, feeling refreshed and, and then do that, that project or that assignment for those, for those specials classes. So that's what they're doing for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's working out. Oh, and, and the thing I was thinking about when you were telling that story about, um, getting up and moving around and stuff, I was, I have to laugh. Um, one of the, I think it was like maybe the second or third day in and one of the teachers, I, I think I know who it was, but one of the teachers had the kids doing a scavenger hunt. I thought this was a cute idea. They, I guess they must've given him like, you know, find green or find something that you can put something in or, you know, something like that. And so the kids were going around the house, like getting stuff. And I didn't know that this was going on. And remember what happened to our house where we had a lot of water damage and we had to get a new roof last year. Well, I'm very, very sensitive to things that drip. <laughs> and I came back into the room to check on him and I looked down and there on the floor is this saucepan just sitting there on the floor. And my first thought was, oh my God, what's leaking? Where is it dripping from? I'm like looking at the ceiling, looking for like a wet spot or something. Like what is going on? And I said something to my little one about it. And he goes, oh, mommy, that was for uh, that was for a scavenger hunt. I had to get something that I could, that I could keep something in. And so that's what he chose. He ran and got a saucepan. <laughs> 
So, so that that'll be interesting to see what what other teachers come up with. Yeah. I just you thought that was really funny. Attack, I had to laugh honey. at myself. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I wasn't mad or anything. I just thought it was hilarious that that was my first thought. Not that they, that he was doing something for school, but the yeah, that's where my head went. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, so I thought I would transition to our next um, our next segment, our next topic, if you will, and um, that was learn something new. And um, I wanted to talk about it. Kind of relates to distance learning a little bit, but I wanted to call this what's in your keyboard. Um, I had, like I said, you know, people donated things to us and some supplies and stuff. And one of those supplies um, was keyboards. And uh, the, we, we had two, like the flat kind of chiclet keys. I think they're, I think they're referred to as the scissor key type of keyboards. And you can't take this advice that I'm going to give you next with those types of keyboards. But um, the whole idea is that as we're as we're getting things and bringing them into our homes, whether we're buying them or thing or people are donating them, you know, you need to sanitize them and keep them sanitized. And, and that's going to be a concern as more and more kids are sitting in front of their computers with their own keyboards. And I just know from experience working in a school with little kids and keyboards, holy cow, do they get full of crud. I mean, we're talking, you know, just even if they, I had, I used to have a rule that if they had to, work with paper and a pencil that they had to move their keyboard up off of their desk and put it, you know, far away. And then they could write on their paper because you know what happens is when they erase stuff, all the eraser dust gets all, it goes right into the cracks and crevices of all the keys on the keyboard. So, um, I had an adventure this last weekend and it was in cleaning a keyboard because someone had given me a beautiful Matthias um, mechanical keyboard. And I think I, I told him, I said, I think you've created a monster because I, I haven't used a mechanical keyboard in a long, long time. Like I said, we've been going towards wireless things and flat and thin and everything. And when he said he had one, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Cause I haven't, I haven't typed on one of those in such a long time. And I used to love those things. And so I jumped at the chance to try this out. And so I thought, you know, he's, got you know some dirt and I was like yeah no big deal like I've, I've cleaned out so many keyboards that it's it's just no big deal and so I started to work at like cleaning it you know dusting it off and I thought well this is this is a mechanical keyboard I better make sure that there's like really like you know nothing under the keys and so I set out to you know YouTube University and I found this I started looking like how do you take apart one of these keyboards first I went to the manufacturer page to make sure that you know that it was doable because I have actually taken apart an Apple mechanical keyboard years ago. Remember the, the big old Emacs and the, the first iMacs and they had those big white chunky chunky keyboards? Well, um, I'll say this quickly, long story short, one of my kids barfed all over it and oh, <laughs> I had to because <laughs> it happens. It was when they were really, really little. And yeah. uh, for me, those garbage. Keyboards, <laughs> yeah, no, for me, like this was at the time, like this was all we had. I was like, oh my God, what can I do? So I started researching and it turns out that if you're really careful, and especially here where we live in Arizona, because it is so arid, um, you can actually, and I did, that old keyboard, I actually did wash it in the dishwasher. <laughs> you can you can take them apart, and if you just use water, and, and it's the only thing, and you don't use any detergent or any soap, as long as you're just, or I guess, I think I was going to wash it in the dishwasher, and I think what I ended up doing was I, end, I ended up rinsing it, like, in the sink with, like, the shower-type uh, sink thing, and I, and I cleaned it really well. And I just rinsed it out with water. And then I took it and I put it out in the laundry room because it's kind of like outside of off our house. And I just turned it upside down and I let it dry for just a couple of days, you know. And it 
it was fine. I was able to put it back together and it, it worked perfectly fine. Like there was, there was nothing left in it. It was, it was clean. It didn't smell the, you know, the sun had, you know, basically sanitized it and everything. So it was all good. So this kind of reminded me a little bit of that. I was like, oh, you know, I haven't taken one of these apart in a long time. And this was something really nerdy and geeky that I could do, but I wanted specifically to know like, okay, what's really the best way to go about this? So I looked up online and I never used this before. Cause I had, like I said, this was just an old Apple keyboard. And I think I just popped the keys off manually or something. I forget how I did it. But I wanted to be really careful because this is a really, you know, really good mechanical keyboard that I, I really wanted to be able to use. And I looked it up and there's actually this little gizmo called a keycap puller. And I'll have a link to the show notes of this video on YouTube that I found. Because um, I started looking on Amazon. I was like, oh, you know, it's a couple bucks. I'll just buy one. But I was really impatient and I didn't want to wait for it to come here. So I thought, well, I wonder if I can just make my own. I mean, it's just it just looks like wire or plastic or whatever. So that picture that I showed you, Elisa, it shows you the different kinds of keycap pullers. Mm -hmm. And there's a distinction. So there's a plastic kind that kind of looks like it looks like the little devil emoji. Like it, it's like a round circle with little kind of prongs on it. Yep. And one of the videos that I watched said that that those were fine, except for the fact that they can cause some damage to the keys, especially if you're using a customized keyboard. I went down the rabbit hole briefly to all the mechanical customizations. Like, wow, this is like custom cars. It's really, really cool. But anyway, you want to try to avoid using the plastic key puller if you're going to be doing a lot of key pulls because it can scratch the plastic on the sides if you're not careful. And so what they recommended was the metal version. So you can see how there's the other version that looks like um, those. Like, it almost looks like tongues. They look like tongues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. It looked like metal tongs, you know, really small. It looks like it could be made out of a paperclip. And I did watch a video that showed how you could do that. But it was like a lot of work and a lot of bending with like, a, you know, uh, clippers and, and wire squeezers and stuff. And it was just, nah, that was too much work. So then I found this other video that I'll, I'll link to because I thought it was pretty cool. And I actually simplified that process, which I'm very proud of. And they showed using uh, the wire ties that you use for like your grocery bags and stuff. Mm -hmm. except pulling the plastic off to just expose the thin wire. And I watched that and I watched him how he made it. And I was like, okay, I'll take that and I'll, and I'll, I'll raise you one because I have florist wire in my, in my craft kit. So I mm -hmm. went and I got florist wire and it turns out that's like the perfect thinness. You've worked with florist wire before. It's just like yeah, a I've long some, thin. Yeah. I've got some in my bag. Yeah. So I, I basically followed the instructions that he had and I bent it the way that he showed that it was being bent there into, into shape. And I just, um, I twisted it on the end and I made a couple different versions and you'll see in the picture that I'm going to put in the show notes that, um, if you make it too short, it gets really difficult to try to pull straight up on the key. And there's something to be said for making it too long too, but I, I tried to find a happy medium and based on how you have to twist it together and bend it and stuff, um, I ended up taking a Band-Aid just for something to have a grip on it. And I and I wrapped it around the end so that I wasn't constantly poking my fingers. Because what I learned is that once you pull one key up, they turn into Pringles. And you can't just pull one. You have to just keep going. So I just had so much fun just taking this thing apart and cleaning it all out. And the kids were were watching what I was doing. And so they wanted to help. And I, I also used a, um egg carton, a plastic egg carton to like I washed all the keys, you know, I soaked them up and stuff because I just wanted to be thorough, you know, 
And then I used a, an egg carton to separate them all. So I had the kids, I was like, okay, get all the numbers and put all the numbers together and put all the F keys together and put all the symbol keys together, you know? So it kind of became like a nice little family project that we, that we did together. I assume they, you did take a picture first of the keyboard before you took everything apart. <laughs> so you knew where to put everything back. You know what? It's, it's a funny thing that you should ask because I actually didn't. Normally I do. <laughs> But I just thought to myself, well, this will be easy. I'll just look online for the picture of it, right? Well, the funny thing is it turns out that this particular model has a U.S. model, a European model, and a Canadian model. And it turns out that – and it's not that big of a difference between the U.S. and the Canadian model. But the only difference was the volume keys. I think on the U.S. model, it has um, through F18 or something like that. But on this model – um, it is volume keys, but I forgot once I pulled it off, like which order they went into, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but I wanted to be accurate with it. So I ended up, I ended up Googling for the image and through trial and error, I found out that it's the Canadian layout. So yes, I was able to get all the keys back on all in their places and it works. It's, it's fantastic. It, it works really, really great. Um, the only thing is, of course it is very loud. It's a very clickety clackety, which I, I love. I love that, that kind of tactile feedback. But, of course, my husband said, yeah, you can't use that at night because that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> right. So it'll be something that I use during the daytime when everybody's doing their thing. And then I have my my little wireless one for quiet typing at night. And I'm, I'm not I don't even have it connected right now because I didn't want you to hear it on the podcast. But so that was my um, my adventure with uh, keycap pulling and cleaning a mechanical keyboard. Um, like I said, you can't do this the same process. You can't pull the keys off the same way with one of those flat keyboards that has the scissor style. This is only for, and as people are finding stuff for their their virtual learning classrooms or their their distance learning environments, you know, they might come across these mechanical keyboards that that people probably have around. And like I said, it's better to have one that's wired so that you don't have to worry about the the batteries. But then you also need to know that. The kids are going to be eating. <laughs> they're going to be eating stuff. I mean, I tell my kids they're not allowed to, but of course I've caught them eating stuff at their computers and everybody does it. Who doesn't, oh, yeah. you know? I have my I have my coffee every morning in front of the computer. <laughs> so you can only imagine like what kind of coffee is under there and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> probably so what's spilled, in your keyboard? Yeah, I probably spilled a drop or two. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how you do it. So like I said, I'll have some pictures. I'll have a link. Um, you can find out how to make your own keycap puller out of florist wire. You can try it with paper clips, but I, I don't know. I mean, your mileage may vary, but I liked using the florist wire. It was a lot more, you could you could really get under the key and, and surround it just right and just pull straight up on it. And like I said, they're kind of like Pringles. You can't just pull up one. You got to do the whole thing. And <laughs> But uh, they're they're very, very cleanable is, is, is what I'm getting at here. And they're very easy to sanitize. So very good for kids and sticky fingers and, and little crumb monsters. So that was my... I learned something new this this weekend. I I'd never done it the the actual proper way, and I had a, had a good time had a good time doing that. That was really fun. Okay, sounds good. All right, I guess now we will wrap up the podcast again. Podcast at geekyshowever dot com for your questions, your feedback, your comments, um, anything at all you want to talk to us about. Podcast at geekyshowever dot com. Anything you want to add before we wrap up and say goodbye? Well. We'll be back at it next time. I'll, I'll, we'll do another check-in, and by then I'll have survived two more weeks. So yeah. I look forward to checking in again. Yeah. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Take care of yourself. Stay safe.
Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative, and timely. The Mac to the Future livecast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsburg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group. 